Hey folks, thanks for listening. I want to put a disclaimer on this episode. We do all our recording at home, and in this episode you're going to hear from the salty pup himself, Odie, a couple of times. Thanks for your patience as we figure out how to record most clearly. Welcome to Unsolicited, the podcast that gives fictional characters advice they did not ask for. I'm Emily Blake. And I'm Owen Evans. Today we're discussing the feminist icon, Leslie Nope, Deputy Director of Parks and Recreation for the great city of Pawnee, Indiana. Leslie hails from NBC's series Parks and Rec, where she plays the role of a devoted public servant. And although her career is a focal point of the series, um, the show also spends a ton of time following Leslie's social life, which includes a series of relationships and friendships in which I think she's giving far more than she gets. What do you think, Owen? (laughs) Um, Yeah, Emily, I I absolutely agree. You know, in in both areas of Leslie's life, she she just uh, just goes and goes and goes and goes for 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 it all. Um, And almost to a, a fault, you know, as an observer, um, because she, in a lot of ways, is, um, you know, uh, uh, towing the line of what's a healthy relationship with a friend and, and what's um, maybe uh, too far. Um, and, you know, that, that, can, that can really uh, affect someone. You know, you don't really see that in the series, you know, but. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and Leslie, in so many ways, is a truly iconic character. She's really, really optimistic and extremely driven. She believes wholeheartedly in the ability of the government to make positive change in citizens' lives. And she's geared her entire career trajectory, which is the thing she cares about most or seems to care about most, um, toward making sure that she's actually improving the lives of the people in her town. Um, But she's also a huge overperformer and overachiever, and she really consistently goes above and beyond for her friends to the point of being sometimes a little bit obsessive. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, And so, you know, throughout the series, you see Leslie develop um, really strong relationships with with three primary people. The the first being Ann Perkins, who she meets in the pilot episode um, at a public forum and Anne shows up as a concerned citizen um, expressing distaste for this gigantic hole in her backyard um, that she wants the Parks Department to take care of. And so Leslie being Leslie, of course, she uh, feels a moment of inspiration and pledges to Anne that she's going to do everything she can to fix this hole. And it ends up being the start of a beautiful, beautiful friendship. Kind of a weird friendship at the outset also. Leslie is totally (laughs) devoted to Anne right away. Um, And Anne is just kind of like, okay, so are you going to fix this pit or what? Uh, Until she's kind of drafted into this friendship by Leslie. Yeah, yeah. That really is kind of Leslie's style. Like You just kind of... Anne really doesn't seem to... Uh, have much much input about whether she becomes friends with Leslie. It just kind of happens to her. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of the other relationships that really dominate Leslie's life. One that predates Anne is her relationship with her boss, Ron Swanson. And he is the director of the the Parks and Recreation Department in Pawnee. 
Um, he also is a fierce libertarian. He really believes that the government is useless <laughs> and that no one should be in government. So yeah. part of his motive for being in his role is that he wants to do as little as he possibly can uh, to make sure that the government doesn't grow bigger and become more <laughs> impactful <laughs> in citizens' lives. Yes, he is very dearly passionate about that. In fact, he goes to some pretty fantastic lengths in some in some episodes to really just you know make sure the government as is as ineffective as possible. <laughs> My favorite is when his assistant intentionally schedules all meetings on <laughs> days on the calendar that don't exist. Um, and then accidentally gets the last day of one month wrong. And so she scheduled far more meetings than one could possibly take on this day. And the entire department has to start taking meetings for him. Yeah. Good morning. Why are there six people outside who say they're waiting to meet with me? So you know how you love me because you haven't had a single meeting with anyone since I became your assistant? That's because every time someone calls and requests a meeting with you, I always schedule it for March 31st. Why? Because I didn't think March 31st existed. 30 days has September, April, March, and November. June and November. Today is March 31st. I know. So then how many meetings do I have today? 93. Okay, okay. Well, you know what to do. <laughs> I love that episode. So the the third relationship that we're really going to focus in on today um, is the relationship with this this guy Ben Wyatt. Um, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about how Leslie and Ben meet and and what the relationship turns into? So initially, Ben is part of a team that is auditing the city of Pawnee. There's it's been a, determined that there is an incredible amount of government waste. Shock of all shocks, um, <laughs> and Ben and his partner are brought in to help figure out what's going on and really slash the government and, and make sure that funds are being used more efficiently. Yes. So uh, at first he comes in as this really serious, severe character and gradually he becomes more and more human throughout the series and eventually, mm -hmm. spoiler alert here, uh, ends up marrying Leslie and becoming her devoted husband and partner. Yes. Yes, with uh, uh, multiple two, I believe, kids that show up um, eventually towards the end of the series. So they just they I think they, they actually have triplets. Oh, trip. That's right. It is triplets. Yeah. Yeah. So they they build a, a beautiful little family and they, they get a real nice house. Um, but so, uh, yeah. So uh, in, in Leslie's typical fashion, she she just gives and gives and gives and uh, in the, her relationship with Ben and, and it causes some, some issues at times. Yep, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk just a little bit about love languages to start. I think it's really common when we see one person giving more in a relationship than another to excuse it as a difference of love languages. What do you think, if you had to choose, what do you think Leslie's love language would be? Yeah, you know, so Leslie um, Leslie shows her adoration for her friends in a lot of different ways. Um, we see as a recurring theme throughout the show um, 
her amazing gift-giving powers. She is just a, a goddess among mere mortals with her gift-giving abilities, and she goes to fantastic lengths to to provide that for her friends um, in ways that she could never even hope to be reciprocated. Um, so there's that. Uh, Leslie um, uh, spends a lot of quality time with uh, her friends and, and shows her love that way. Um, in, in all sorts of places throughout the show. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard to even categorize Leslie as having one dominant area um, of those five love, love languages because she um, she really sort of embodies them all in one in one adorable little package. Yeah, I, I agree. I would have a really hard time choosing one. Uh, if we were going to go with gift giving, let's talk a little bit about how Leslie shows her affection through <laughs> yeah. gift giving. One of my favorite episodes is when Anne and Ben um, discover that they are both bidding in an <laughs> online auction for a waffle maker for <laughs> Leslie. They both want right. to gift it to her. That's it's from right. her favorite diner. It's an original. <laughs> it's a very thoughtful gift. Um, but Anne wants it for, I think, Waffle Day, the anniversary <laughs> of the first time she and Leslie had waffles together. That's right. And Ben wants it for breakfast day, the, <laughs> the anniversary of the first time they went to JJ's diner and had breakfast <laughs> together. Stop bidding on my waffle iron. Your future Mrs. Tiger Woods? I made that profile like 10 years ago. I don't know how to change it. The point is, I'm getting that waffle iron for Leslie for breakfast day. Uh, no, you're not. I'm getting it for her for waffle day. Wait, you have a breakfast day too? Mine's in June. Please, Ben, this is the celebration of the anniversary of the first time we hung out at JJ's, which she considers the beginning of our friendship. Well, imagine being married to her. It's like being smothered with a hand-quilted pillow filled with cherished memories. I believe I'm complaining about how thoughtful my wife is. But the upshot is that Leslie has created hundreds of holidays specific to each friend <laughs> and is gifting them something on each of these holidays, creating an enormous amount of pressure for her friends to reciprocate this gift giving, right? Yeah. Which is how Anne and Ben end up driving this price up and up and up and up for this <laughs> waffle maker that, yeah. <laughs> that they both want to give her. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine having having to honor a whole bunch of holidays for every friend in your life? That it's, you know, it's it's almost every day of the year it seems like and it's just so much work and so much effort on Leslie's part. Like there's there's no way she she goes an entire day without buying a gift for, for someone. I just don't imagine that being possible. Um my my brother I'm going to I'm going to give a shout out to my brother uh, here. He's a, he's a really good gift giver uh, to the point where I often feel like, oh man, I just, I have no idea. I have no idea how I could, uh, uh, you know, make you feel the way that this gift makes me, makes me feel. Uh, and it's, it's cool. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool for me cause I get awesome stuff from it, but it's also, you know, frustrating because I just, I wish I was, I wish I was on his level. And I, I imagine that's often how how these people in Leslie's life uh, feel as well. Yeah, it seems like it would put a lot of strain on the relationship, but it's also one of those things that you can't criticize. You can't really go up to your friend and go, hey, could you right. give me less thoughtful <laughs> gifts, please? It's really making me feel like a jerk. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's a conversation that 
yeah, that uh, is hard to have, but important to have, you know. Well, and I wonder, yeah, setting boundaries is really important. And if I remember right, I think near the end of that episode, uh, Anne and Ben essentially take Leslie aside and say, hey, we love that you care about both of us. We also both care about you, but we can't do all of these holidays, Leslie. We are each going to have one holiday where you get to celebrate everything with us. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And after that, um, we're just going to go the rest of the year and just celebrate the normal holidays that <laughs> everyone else celebrates. <laughs> we got to pause for a second because my dog just stole an envelope off of my desk. Okay. <clears throat> Odie, stop eating the mail. So another example, I don't know if this counts as gift giving, but there's an episode <laughs> where we know that it's Ron's birthday and we know mm-hmm. that Ron does not want to be celebrated. Mm-mm. So his assistant and Leslie throughout the episode are dropping hints about how Leslie knows it's his birthday. And so he knows something big is coming. Mm-hmm. But yeah. ultimately, at the end of the episode, she leads him to a private room watching his favorite movie with his favorite meal alone, which is the perfect way for Ron to celebrate his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he could have asked for. Um, And, you know, that, that really just shows you, you know, how, how much Leslie cares about Ron and, and, and knows what, what brings him joy and and wants to provide that for him. That was really just a, a beautiful, a beautiful moment in the, in the show. Happy birthday, Ron. Anne said you had a big party. Sombreros, karaoke. Yeah, I did that for Anne. Why would I throw Ron Swanson and Anne Perkins party? What about the giant list of things April was doing? That was just a list of ways to mess with you. She do them all? She did indeed. So, I have rented Bridge on the River Kwai and the Dirty Dozen. Artie from security is outside the door so no one will bother you, and a cab will be here whenever you're ready to take you home. Thank you. Again, though, she's created a lot of stress and sort of negative energy for Ron. So as much as it is a beautiful (laughs) moment that she's allowed it to be this continual (laughs) source of stress all throughout the day, she's kind of ruined his birthday. Yeah, an entire day of torment. (laughs) yeah and i think we all appreciate those moments with our friends like we love tormenting them in those ways (laughs) but whether it's actually the right move i have questions about (laughs) yeah um my favorite example of leslie as a gift giver is uh the episode where ben has just put uh uh, an em- enormous amount of work and thought into crafting the perfect Valentine's Day gift. I think it's Valentine's Day for Leslie. And it involves a, a horse-drawn carriage ride, uh, lots of other wonderful things that Leslie loves, brunch at JJ's. Um, and, and, and he believes he's, go- he's going to out-gift Leslie in this scenario. And uh, come to the end of the episode and reveals Ben's gift, and she has uh, gifted for him, Ben being a lover of the hit HBO television show Game of Thrones. Uh, Leslie has gifted Ben a, a exact replica of the Iron Throne. 
from from the Game of Thrones series. Happy anniversary. So I know we agreed on no gifts. What? But I did get you a gift. No. A bunch of them, actually. I was going to surprise you with them yesterday, but they never reached you. <clears throat> oh, my effing God. <gasps> you planned all of this for me? An enchanted carriage? This is amazing. Oh, and your scrapbook instincts are really good. I mean, this is a little rough, but you have a lot of talent here. Oh, I can't believe I actually defeated Leslie Nope at a gift exchange. Yes. Uh, yeah. About that. Happy anniversary. <gasps> it's the Iron Throne. <gasps> it's the Iron Throne. Yes. It is. I had a guy at the model store make a replica. He's a bigger Game of Thrones fan than you are. Okay, I know I'm making that dumb surprise face, but I can't help it. This is the greatest gift I've ever received, Leslie. And uh, I just, it's, I love that. I love that, that scene. Well, Brings me And joy. throughout the day, doesn't she miss most of the puzzle that he's created for her? Yes, that's right. Just because of happenstance. Uh, things that that cause the timing to be a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> of the friends we're we're talking about, I think Ben is the one who comes closest to returning Leslie's energy to her. We do see yeah. him really go out of his way a number of times to create mm-hmm. truly elaborate things, and it's part of why they're such a great couple. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Kind of going on that on that same that same thought there, um, you know their their power as a couple. Um, they are both so supportive of each other, um, and uh, and you see that uh, in in kind of a Ben's hobbies outside of his work. You know later in the the series, uh, a, a board game that he has designed um, becomes uh, popular uh, across the nation. And uh, it's it's those kind of things, and the same for Leslie. You know, the her pursuits they they just really are there for each other, hundred percent, and and um, are are just always supportive. Um, and I don't know what unsolicited advice that equates to. Um, kind of change of tone there, but <laughs> we can we can cut all that. I think it means everyone needs to find their Ben. Okay, so we've talked through a little bit about Leslie's gift giving. Let's talk a little bit about words of affirmation. I think this is another area where Leslie is really strong in terms of love languages. Yeah. Um, maybe uncomfortably so. Yeah. As a reference, she gives Anne a ton of really weird compliments. <laughs> yeah. Anne, you rainbow-infused space unicorn. <laughs> Anne, you beautiful, sassy mannequin come to life. Anne, you opalescent tree shark. Oh, yeah. You're too beautiful to be funny. It's not your fault. You've never had to compensate for anything. The rest of you ugly nerds need to give me some joke stats. Anne, you beautiful tropical fish. You're smart as a whip, and you're cool under pressure. You've resuscitated a human heart in your bare hands. No, I haven't. You haven't? No. You will. You're that good of a nurse. No, Anne, please, I beg of you, will you just shut your beautiful pie hole? Just sit there. Let me stare at you while you silently support me on this game plan. Leslie. Shh, Leslie. Your quiet support means the world to me, as well as your tacit endorsement. (laughs) If someone was approaching you with lines like this, no matter how close you were to them, how would you respond? 
Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm I'm imagining uh, my partner saying saying things like that to me, and you know, I I it's it's funny. I I think I would find it amusing. Um, I, I suppose I wouldn't re- really know how to feel. Would you have found it amusing at the beginning of your relationship, or <laughs> just now that you've been together for a while? Definitely, just now that we are just like always laughing at everything each other does. Yeah, well, and it seems like. A lot of this makes Anne pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Leslie, you know, just not really knowing how to take take a hint in a lot of areas of, of her life, this being one of them. Right. Well, and it seems like everything she's saying is really more geared toward expressing her own feelings than thinking about her audience or what her audience needs to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. Anne doesn't need to hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh these are these are inside thoughts, Leslie. Inside thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody taught her the difference between uh, that and and things that you say. It's it's funny. So one thing that I really notice is that this stuff isn't reciprocated. Like Leslie doesn't seem like she's looking for any cues from Anne about mm-hmm. what Anne wants this relationship to look like or their friendship to look like. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she um, and, you know, it it makes you wonder, like, yeah, these are her love languages. But, you know, a a love language, a love language is also something that that represents the the type of love you you like to receive. Um, And and so, you know, what are the things that fill Leslie's cup? You know, like, where does she get her 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 motivation from? Um, We talked about Ben being always being very supportive, but, um, you know, you, you need that support coming from all areas of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in a, in addition to being really over-communicative and over-the-top giving, um, she she really does. She inserts herself in a lot of places she doesn't really belong. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron, at one point, is dating a co-worker's wife. Uh, now that you're getting divorced, I sort of feel like there may be some potential with me and Wendy. Would it be okay with you if I was to ask her out once the fake dust settles? Yeah, um, why not? Sure. Looking at her, I, I feel like she might be the perfect spooning size for me. I'm gonna take a leak. Now, the coworker has a green card marriage. And he has married a Canadian who needs citizenship in the U.S. So their their marriage is a sham. But he's very attached to his wife anyway. She doesn't return the affection. She starts dating Ron. And Leslie absolutely reads Ron the riot act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think she should be interfering in stuff like that? You know, that's an interesting question, um, you know, because obviously she has the best intention. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's it, it is over the line. You know, it, to me, it's you know, that's there. These are adults and they're capable of making their own decisions. You know, Ron Ron knew that he was going to uh, probably hurt Tom's feelings by by doing this. And and, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to let things play out. Yeah. And Ron admittedly makes a lot of really questionable 
relationship choices. <laughs> Repeatedly, he yeah. goes back to his ex-wives, all of whom are named Tammy, which, yes, coincidentally, I'm sure, is also his mom's name. Um, <laughs> all of his ex-wives are highly manipulative and really drastically change his personality, have him wearing things he wouldn't wear and doing things he wouldn't do and saying things he wouldn't say. Mm -hmm. And Leslie intervenes... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the hope of saving Ron from all of these relationships. So what's that look like? Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the whole opposite end of the spectrum here. Um so um we now yeah, we see Leslie uh inserting herself to protect Ron. Um, you know, and, uh, and thank goodness she did because, uh, yeah, you know, Ron, Ron went off the rails in a, in a pretty, pretty amazing way. So, so yes, Le Leslie is definitely flawed in the fact that she can go too far, but you know, um, those, those flaws that we have, um, are, are also things that, that bring good things to us as well. Well, and on the one hand, I think as friends, we have a responsibility to look out for each other. You know, I would want my friends to say something if they thought the relationship I was in was abusive. And I don't know if I would respond positively if they did, but I hope that they would say something anyway. Um, yeah. By the same token, I, I think it's a really tough balance to figure out when we should say something about someone else's relationship. Do you think, like, what are the guiding principles for you? When do you say something versus when do you shut up and just <laughs> be along for the ride? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value in, in learning from your mistakes. And in order for that to happen, you have to make mistakes. So, you know, if, if I knew somebody that was in a situation where it was, like, clear that they are being harmed or could be harmed either uh, uh, physically or emotionally. Um, that's definitely kind of the, 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 the place where I would feel the need to step in. So essentially we are our friends protectors, but not our friends managers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I accept that. I like it. <laughs> What's your perspective? Anytime in a friendship or otherwise, if we know someone's going to get hurt, we have a responsibility to intervene, or at least to try to intervene. Now, that gets different if we offer our interjection and it is not well received, because mm -hmm. we don't want to put ourselves at risk either. Like, if we're putting ourselves in danger instead of our friends being in danger, I don't know if that's necessarily an upgrade. But... Mm -hmm. um, if we know that someone is doing something that's going to hurt them or that's going to hurt someone else, I think our first option is ideally to intervene with the person who is hurting someone else, uh, the hurt-er, rather than the hurt. Um, but if that's not an opportunity, and it, it isn't always, those people may not be in a position to listen to us, then I think mm -hmm. we have to warn the person who is likely to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both both parts of that scenario are, are really tough conversations to have. But yeah, that is super important. Well, and I think the, the two conversations we had about Ron's relationships, the first, he was the person hurting someone else. And so Leslie intervened and said, hey, we got to think harder about the way that we're interacting here. Um, mm -hmm. And in the second situation, he was the one who was most likely to be hurt. Uh, but yeah. she still approached him 
and said, hey, I think you're going to get hurt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so all of this leads us to some questions. What's What's our takeaway here? We've talked a lot about the kind of energy that Leslie is putting into her friendships, but what's she need to do? Should she be looking for better friends or lowering her output or just keep doing what she's doing and let it be an I am the way I am situation? What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I think the, the big takeaway for for Leslie Nope is is that, you know, that that idea of, of balancing your your career with um, with the, the rest of your life. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's all a give and take. Um, and that that's going to change, you know, at, at times, at times are going to be um, things going on that, that draw more of your attention to your, your career. And that's OK. But you have to balance the scale. Um, you know, you have to give yourself time to, to do the things that that really make you happy and fill your cup, um, uh, along with the things that um, are, are working uh, to, uh, you know, advance your career. OK. Um do you have any advice that you'd want to offer to Anne and Ben and Ron? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting place to be because, you know, how do you how do you accuse somebody of something when they're doing nothing wrong? And you know, not that they would they would accuse Leslie, but you know, to to have that conversation where, you know, you're you're saying, yeah, something about our relationship needs to change. Um when when the person you're having this conversation with is, you know, just so so passionate and doing everything they can to to show their love for you it's it's hard to say that hey you're doing something wrong and i need you to change you know what i mean yeah um i think my big takeaway for for leslie i thought at the beginning of the episode that i was gonna suggest that she find people who match her energy but actually i i think my piece of advice for her is to read the room a lot of what she's doing makes people around her uncomfortable, even though it's done absolutely with the best intentions and very thoughtfully and all out of love. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like she really needs some practice reading some social cues and being intentional about responding to her friends' needs and, and cares. Um, yeah. And I think my advice to her friends is to set some intentional boundaries. It mm-hmm. it sounds like right now they are kind of being walked on a little bit in their friendships. Um, yeah, and definitely. made to participate maybe a little bit more than they're ready to. And I think it's very reasonable, albeit difficult, to, to set some boundaries and say, hey, you are very important to me. And because you're very important to me, I'm comfortable with things looking this way. Right? Um, yeah, so it's it's like anything in your life, you know, you don't want to burn out on your career, you don't want to burn out on your passions, and you sure as heck don't want to burn out on your friends. And so in order for that to happen, you, you have to, you know, uh, take it in, in doses. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that I would re- like to be really clear about is that I think it's easy because Leslie is so over the top in her friendships and relationships to think that maybe she's someone who's not suited toward government. And I really want to push back on Mm. that idea and, and talk a little bit about the idea that almost all of us can take on virtually any role as the people we are. And that authenticity Mm -hmm. is really valuable, especially Mm -hmm. in government figures. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't want any piece of our conversation about her social life to be taken 
to mean that she isn't suited for her career goals because mm-hmm. I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and Leslie proves that time and time again, you know, um, with the, the, the work that she puts into improving her town. And I think that's a criticism that comes really quickly for women as well. Um, mm-hmm. Often when men have indiscretions or challenges in their in their personal lives, they're swept under the rug and they just continue on in their careers as though they're totally separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, but women are often treated to a, a different kind of moralist expectation. Oh, absolutely. And you see this play, played out in, in the show all the time. You know, when these male politicians that she's working with um, propose all these just really, really dumb off the wall ideas and things and, and do things that should get them into a lot of trouble. And Oh, and, there's uh, one who has repeated sex scandals and <laughs> um, like has has one sex scandal that breaks while another is currently on the news. And to my wife, I apologize. All I can say is, I wasn't just having sex. I was making love to a beautiful woman and her boyfriend and a third person whose name I never learned. Furthermore, it was wrong of me to say I was building houses for the underprivileged when I was actually having four-way sex in a cave in Brazil. I bet cave sex is insane. Why? Because of the echoes and the humidity. Mm -hmm. In my defense, it was my birthday, and I really wanted to do it. I think it's a real shame when people focus on the tawdry details of a scandal. Personally, all I care about is Councilman Dexhart's policies, not whether he was high on nitrous and cocaine during the cave sex, which, by the way, I heard he was. One more shocking revelation in a story that just won't stop unfolding. It turns out Councilman Dexhart may have also had sex with a prostitute in the limousine on the way to and from the press conference where he apologized for having an affair. Um, And I think at the same time he hits on the newscaster, right? Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) then is immediately reelected or granted more power in some way. I don't I don't remember that. Yeah. Detail, but yeah, but you know, it's yeah, and and we see this all the time where where women just have to have to work three times as hard as 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 any man would to to have the same success in the same position. Yeah, and that's a real theme of the show as well. Just the the amount of sexism that Leslie deals with. Um, mm-hmm. There's an episode where she's taking credit for something that she didn't do, and in order to make it believable, she really has to dumb herself down um, <laughs> and just pretend to be an absolutely stupid uh, <laughs> yeah. person who has no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Amazing lengths. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps up our conversation on Leslie Nope. So before we finish... Unsolicited is a Salty Pup production. Audio engineering by Robbie Rutherford, music by Tristan Hurd, and publicity by Allison Biggie. Thanks also to my co-host, Owen Evans. My name is Emily Blake. Thanks for listening. <laughs>